From beach towels to tea towels and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT Shop has it all. Browse our shop now at tntradio.live. Misty Winston on today's News Talk Radio TNT. Well, hey there, and welcome to the Misty Winston Show right here on today's News Talk. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to hang out with me. Appreciate you. Uh, okay, we have a fantastic show. Jason Burmis is here. I'm very excited. We're going to be bringing him in uh, momentarily. It's always a great show when Jason is here, but we have much to discuss. So first of all, thank you to James O'Neill and TNT Radio for including uh, the recent news on Julian Assange's case in the little news brief there. Uh, huge news. We talked about it yesterday. Um, multiple protests are currently being organized, um, so make sure you keep an eye out for those. Find one near you. Be one near you, whatever. If you're in London, please get to the court. Um, we need as many people there as humanly possible. I wish I could find a way to get to London. I would love to go. I have tons of friends there. It would be fantastic to be able to go and join them. Uh, but if you are anywhere near London, if you can get there, uh, please try to make it there. I realize that it's on two weekdays, February 20th and 21st, um, but you have plenty of time to request days off work if you need to, whatever kind of um, arrangements that need to be made, make those arrangements and get out there. Uh, this, uh, As they mentioned in the news brief, could potentially be uh, his last opportunity to prevent his extradition. Although I have my doubts that that is actually their intentions, but regardless, it's all about making noise, making it uh, that mass public pressure. We need that. But I have I actually have good news today, which is crazy. I don't even know what to do with myself. Um, so Venezuelan diplomat Alex Saab was released today, something I did not see coming at all. He uh, So in 2020, June 2020, he was essentially kidnapped by the United States. They tried to say that it was for um, uh, money laundering that was not money laundering. Um, so uh, I'll read here from, this is from Venezuela analysis. Uh, it says Venezuela successfully negotiated the release of Alex Saab, a government envoy who spent more than three years detained, media outlets reported Wednesday. Saab's release comes as a result of a negotiation between the Nicolas Maduro government with the Joe Biden administration that will see the release of up to 36 people. I'm only seeing so far two names, but I'll just continue here. This was uh, from several hours ago. There's been some updates, but uh, this will see the release of up to 36 people, including 12 U.S. citizens currently detained in Venezuela. Uh, the Maduro government envoy was arrested during a refueling stopover in Cape Verde in June 2020 on his way to Iran to negotiate food and fuel import deals amidst U.S. sanctions. In October 2021, he was forcefully flown to Florida to face a charge of conspiracy to commit money laundering. The Venezuelan government and Saab's defense lawyers have maintained that he was acting as a special envoy and therefore was subject to diplomatic immunity. Caracas viewed the detention of Saab as a violation of international law tantamount to a quote-unquote kidnapping and his persecution as a politically motivated trial. Saab maintained his innocence and pleaded not guilty to charges of money laundering. Uh, Caracas placed immense di diplomatic pressure on Washington to secure his release, with the Venezuelan government delegation walking away from talks with the U.S.-backed opposition in October 2021 when the envoy was taken to Florida and charged. So um, a couple different reports that we have out from some friends of mine, uh, Anya Parampil uh, from over at the Gray Zone, um, she has done fantastic reporting on this. Um, from day one. I mean, she's really been uh, kind of the person who's been covering this. Um, obviously, there are more people, but she's been the one that I've been following the most. She's been very heavily involved uh, in the situation. And she tweeted out, the U.S. swapped Alex Saab, a Venezuelan diplomat whom U.S. authorities quite literally kidnapped in June 2020 for two ex-Green Berets who participated in a failed plot to kill Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro. I remember that. I think we talked about it 
uh, maybe on this show. I don't know. I do other shows, so I don't. I, I always get them a little convoluted. But uh, yeah, there was a, a a failed plot to kill Nicholas Maduro um, by two U.S. soldiers, uh, Green Berets. Um, so that is who there's uh, uh, Anya is saying was was swapped for Alex Saab. Uh, my friend Fiorella Isabel, uh, who's been on this show several times. Um, and she tweeted out breaking Venezuelan diplomat Alex Saab, political prisoner kidnapped by the U.S. and imprisoned for three plus years, has been released in exchange for two American prisoners held in Venezuela. He's on his way. This was earlier today. She said he's on his way back to Venezuela to meet with his family. My congratulations to his family, friends and all who supported the free Alex Saab movement. Up next, Julian Assange. And boy, don't I wish that that were true. Um, I'm going to take that positivity, my dear friend Fee, and run with it and try to um Take that energy into 2024. I would love nothing more than to see Julian Assange freed in 2024. Or hell, at the end of 2023, let's do it. Why not? Let's end the year with a bang. Uh, that would be fantastic. So um, there are, in fact, videos out now. You can go check them out. They're all over um, social media. There are videos of Alex Saab landing in Venezuela, meeting with his family, embracing uh, his young kids, all of that good stuff. Um, so uh, some actual good news for once. I really do not even know how to handle that situation. I'm not used to having uh, any good news whatsoever. So um, uh, very happy for him, very happy for his family uh, and uh, long overdue, three plus years. Um, he was essentially, what his crime was, he, he was uh, trying to um, go around American sanctions to feed his people, to feed the people of Venezuela, to get food and medicine for the people of Venezuela. And that's why they didn't like him. That's why they essentially kidnapped him. He should have had diplomatic immunity. Um, and so uh, three plus years, way overdue for him to be released. So congratulations to him uh, and to everyone who's been fighting for that. So um, yeah. Okay. Don't forget, you can follow me over on the tweeters at Sarcasm Stardust. Check out the Substack. It's free to subscribe um, or follow or whatever they call it over there. Um, uh, it's mistywinston.substack.com. There's a write-up for the guest of the day every day so that you can find, follow, and support their work as well. Uh, and also, if you would like to shoot me an email, it's mistywinston at tntradio.live. Guest idea, show idea, rant, question, whatever. Hit me up. I will try to get back to you. And while you're at it, my friends, why not give TNT Radio a follow? We're on all the major social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gabby, and Getter. And you can help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time right here on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Your voice heard here. The government needs to step up and do its job. Today's News Talk Radio. TNT. All right. A new study by a team of researchers has found that for some people, the act of quote unquote fact checking fake news online can increase the probability that they will believe it is actually true. So this stuff is backfiring. I love that. Uh, here with this story, joining me now is TNT Radio News producer Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus. So Ruckus, my friend. Um, fact checking makes people believe so-called fake news. Is that what I'm getting, uh, uh, at least for some people? Reverse psychology, I guess. There, yeah. There's a hundred million different things wrong with this study, in my opinion, but this is certainly <laughs> a fun story. I'm not going to lie. Um, I jumped at the chance to report on this one because, uh, yeah, it, this flies in the face of, you know, conventional wisdom and all that. But apparently, according to this this study, um, the <laughs> searching to evaluate whether or not what you're looking at is actually true. Uh, i.e. fact-checking your your news articles that are actually fake, uh, actually increases the pro probability of believing it. Uh, imagine that. Uh, this this is thanks to a study uh, which has been published in the journal, journal Nature. 
and it offers insights, as it were, into the impact of search engines' output on their users, which is a relatively understudied area. <laughs> so um, we're going to speak here, or not speak with, but uh, we're going to quote from Zev Sanderson. That is the founding executive director of New York University's Center for Social Media and Politics. That's CS Map and one of the paper's authors, who said, quote, Our study shows that the act of searching online to evaluate news increases belief in highly popular misinformation and by notable amounts, end quote. They're not just guessing. They're saying, wow, hold on. They, this caught them by surprise, apparently. The reason for this outcome, here's where I take offense to some of this, uh, may be explained by search engine outputs. In the study, the researchers found that this phenomenon is concentrated among individuals for whom search engines return what they're calling lower quality information. Let that sink in. Um, <laughs> so we have the lead author, I'll quote from here, Kevin Aslett. He is an assistant professor at um, the University of Central Florida and a faculty research affiliate at CSMAP who said uh, in an observation, quote, this points to the danger that data voids, areas of the information ecosystem that are dominated by low quality or even outright false news and information may be playing a consequential role in the online search process, leading to low return of credible information or more alarming, the appearance of non-credible information at the top of search results, end quote. Oh, oh no. In the newly published Nature study, Aslett Sanderson and their colleagues studied the impact of using online search engines to evaluate false or misleading views, an approach encouraged by technology companies and government agencies, among others. To do so, they recruited participants through both Qualtrics and Amazon's Mechanical Turk, tools frequently used in running behavioral science studies. For a series of five experiments, and with the aim of gauging the impact of a common behavior called SOTEN, which stands for Searching Online to Evaluate News. Totally new to me. The first four studies tested the following aspects of online search behavior and impact. Number one, the effect of SOTEN on belief in both false or misleading and true news directly within two days of an article's publication. And then it puts in parentheses, Misty, false popular articles included stories on COVID-19 vaccines, the Trump impeachment <laughs> proceedings, and climate events. What a shocker. Number two, uh, whether the effect of SOTEN can change an individual's evaluation after they had already assessed the veracity of a news story. Three, the effect of SOTEN months after publication. And four, the effect of SOTEN on recent news about a salient topic with significant news coverage. In this case of the study, news about the COVID-19 pandemic. Apparently, there was a fifth study combined uh, a survey combined a survey with web tracking data in order to identify the effect of exposure to both low and high quality search engine results on belief in misinformation. By collecting search engine results using a custom web browser plugin, the researchers could identify how the quality of these search results may affect users' belief in the misinformation being evaluated. I read that as trust the science. Now, here's my last <laughs> point of conjecture with this whole study. The study's source credibility ratings were determined by NewsGuard. That's right. 
So uh, I think we could just take the whole study and throw it away right there, Misty. What do you think? No, I absolutely agree with that point. Uh, if NewsGuard is involved, it's probably meant for the trash. It is ridiculous to even uh, include them in anything like this. But also, and I'm sure you have many of the same uh, issues that I'm about to vocalize, um, but the idea that they're, uh, first of all, who's deciding what are high and low quality search engine results and who's determining what is um, misleading or false about COVID-19 vaccines or the Trump impeachment proceedings. And that's what's so ridiculous about any kind of conversation around this kind of stuff is because there's very obviously an agenda, right? There's an agenda here. They are trying to push. This is another way that they're pushing a narrative that they're trying to convince you that um, misinformation and disinformation is dangerous and that you have to, you you need somebody to tell you what you can and can't read. You need somebody to hold your hand and help you evaluate news stories and the way that the world works and all of that. Uh, and so, yeah, it's very clear to me that there's an, an, an Amazon's involved. I mean, come on, Amazon, NewsGuard. It's just, this is a mess from front to back, top to bottom. Um, uh, and listen, I have no doubt that um, I think that the premise of this study that people, when uh, when certain stories are, um, uh, you know, fact-checked or whatever online, I think that, that there's no question about it that that leads people to believe those stories. And here's why. And here's the bigger issue. There is zero trust at all, not zero, but very little trust whatsoever in our mainstream media institutions and in our governmental governmental institutions and any of those types of organizations. And so um, people are obviously, especially a certain segment of the population, are already incredibly skeptical about anything that they are being told. Um, but then when these ridiculous fact checkers come in with obvious agendas, uh, I think it's very clear that people are going to bristle at that and they're going to dig in their heels and they're going to, um, you know, uh, 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 they're not going to be swayed. You know what I'm saying? In fact, it's probably going to go the opposite direction. So the, none of that is surprising to me, but I think that these, whatever this study is, I think is being done with a very obvious agenda, much like the so-called news stories that we're being bombarded with about, you know, safe and effective and all that good stuff. But I'm sure that this study is also safe and effective. No worries. What do you think, Adam? So, yeah, no, this, this, like I said, this whole thing is flawed. It's Ridiculous. really messed up. It's <laughs> yeah. not actual science. This is just another no. exercise in propaganda. It's it's actually almost I'm I'm kind of taking this as a win in a way, Misty. I think my my line of thinking with this is that before we were facing the problem where we tried to present an alternative to the lies that were being fed from the mainstream, i.e. we were trying to promote the truth in a time of deceit and lies, and we were just getting canceled. And then we experienced self-censorship because we're like, oh, I don't want to have happened to me what happened to that guy or look that doctor she just lost her medical license i better shut up you know and and they failed because here we are and we're talking about it and we're going to keep talking about it um and i think they're like well i guess we better start beating the the plebes with a stick and teach them dissuade them from doing their own critical thinking like right? i mean that was a good first step on the on the part of the people who at least search is this true i don't trust this whether or not it was true or not but then now to to chide them for doing what they should have been doing all along is is crazy. So to, I, I think maybe our message is getting out there. So now they're trying to prevent people from even searching to discover the message on their own. Yes, 100 percent. I agree with that 100 percent. And I think that um, if COVID, it, I, it's very weird to me that anybody after the last three and a half, nearly four years now of the COVID shenanigans um, can look at the way that 
how many times somebody should count up the number of lies that we were told by quote unquote authoritative sources. Um, uh, and that, that turned out to be lies, just full on lies. We were told, I mean, time and time and, and these aren't little lies. Like these are lies about forced injections, medical procedures, uh, your health and well being. That's not a little thing. And so, um, yeah, this, this kind of study, I think is crap. I think it's just an obvious attempt at furthering propaganda and convincing people that you're too stupid to do your own research. Just let us tell you what to think. Um, so yeah, terrible, awful, but also hilarious <laughs> a little bit. Um, all right, Adam, thanks for bringing us this story. We will talk to you again tomorrow. Hey, hang tight. Jason Burmis right after this here on TNT radio. Rick Munn on TNT radio. There was a, a statement that I saw last week that I thought was quite interesting from one of these, uh, web spokespeople, the world economic forum spokesperson. And one thing that she said that I thought was quite interesting was she said, you know, um, there is been a little bit of a tail off with people buying into the vaccine narrative and she blamed that on people like us spreading so-called missing disinformation. She said that climate change was a little bit too much of an abstract concept for people to really grab and get their heads around. So that's not really taking off the way they want to either. And then she said something very interesting. She said, you know what? When the water crisis comes, people will understand that because it's simple and everybody needs water. And if you don't have water for a few days at a time, you'll know all about it. So maybe you know, we're hypothesizing a little bit about what's, what it's going to take to grab people and bring them back on board again with a World Economic Forum type narrative. Could this be what it is? Locked and loaded with Rick Munn on today's News Talk TNT Radio. I'm Naheem Hines, professional football player and proud supporter of the Muscular Dystrophy Association. My mom was diagnosed with muscular dystrophy when I was 14 and I watched her struggle. But MDA helped her get the best treatments and care. And they also help kids like my buddy Ethan. My name is Ethan and I'm 12 years old. Thanks to the Muscular Dystrophy Association and people like you, I have more hope than ever before. From day one, they've treated me like family at my local care center. MDA is the only one that funds over 150 care centers across the U.S. to help provide state-of-the-art care for adults and kids like me. For over 70 years, MDA has been transforming the lives of people living with muscular dystrophy, ALS, and other related neuromuscular diseases. They fund the research for breakthrough treatments, care, and cures. And MDA provides support to thousands of families like mine and Ethan's in communities like yours. Thanks to MDA, kids and adults can live life to its fullest. Join us and learn more at MDA.org today. Caution. You are about to to hear today's news talk and the voice of freedom. That's what this country is all about. TNT Radio. All right. Our guest today is the one and only Jason Burmis. So Jason uh, is a content creator, documentary filmmaker, and activist. He does a fantastic job of digging through establishment narratives in search of the truth. Uh, He's done invaluable coverage on things like COVID, Epstein, uh, 9-11, and more. Uh, You can find him over on Twitter at Jason Burmis. You can also catch his show across various platforms, including Rumble, YouTube, maybe, maybe go somewhere else though, because YouTube sucks, uh, Rockfin and Podbean. Uh, And as always, you can find links to all of that stuff over on my Substack for a really quick, easy one-stop shop for all of his work. So Jason, thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Missy. 
Yeah, it's always good to chat with you. And this is very well timed because we just got major Epstein news. Uh, and as soon as I heard it, uh, heard it come, I think it was yesterday, uh, we covered it here on the show very briefly uh, at the top of the show. I was like, this is perfect. I have Jason Burmis tomorrow. Um, so we got this, uh, this news yesterday. And it depends on which article you look at. Some are saying uh, that the identities of 156 people, some are saying over 170 people uh, from the Epstein uh, list, client list. I think some of these are even potentially victims though um but some names are going to be released potentially as early as january 1st now i'm very skeptical of this stuff uh but what is your take on this so starting out there is no client list that is johnny nonsense that's not a real thing anybody who's actually dug through these documents knows this by now um these particular documents have to do with the virginia Gray roberts case now uh over the last really decade plus, there has been drops. And you saw a lot of these drops on the run-up to his arrest by the Southern District of New York. So really between 2015, 2016, 2017, you started seeing glimpses of those documents. Now, I believe a lot of these documents will now be repurposed and some of the names that were uh, redacted prior will be in them. But we have to look at the people that have been named before, right? Uh, Glenn Dubin and others. Nothing's ever happened to them. We already know uh, some of the right-hand women, if you will, of Ghislaine Maxwell that have been um, mentioned in these documents as well. Sarah Kalin, Leslie Groff, they're amongst them. I'm sure we're going to be finding out more about their roles as well. There seems to be at least a couple of powerful, quote-unquote, John Doe's. Some have alluded to whether or not Bill Clinton is one of these people, uh, but it's really common knowledge at this point that one of them will be a Hood Barack, right? So there's been a slow trickle of these names out there. Uh, another name that came out during this uh, in regards to Zorro Ranch was Bill Richardson. He recently passed former New Mexico governor. So here's what I tell people. I want as much information as possible. I want these yes. documents to be released. Supposedly, uh, as you said, January 1st, but a lot of people are saying even if that happens, it will actually be on January 2nd. Uh, courtlistener.com is probably where you're going to be able to get the raw files. I encourage everybody to go check out the raw files. But Misty, we already know that the documents that they showed via the Glenn Maxwell case included what binders of information, probably fo photographs, all blacked out on just what they said on the side, hard drives in plastic bins in stacks that were in what DVR systems that were obviously recording something, burned DVDs, and then the infamous safe. That again, all of these pictures exist. They were put into evidence against Ghislaine Maxwell, where there was more CDs, more pictures, jewelry, things of value. And then really one of the most important pieces of evidence people really don't talk about, the Epstein passport which was uh, apparently issued from Austria, in which he had a false identity and a Saudi Arabian address. Yep. So obviously I await whatever we see uh, in the coming new year. Uh, but is it going to be new year, new names, bro? I wouldn't hold my breath. 
No, that's my, that's what I think too. I think that, and I also wanted to ask you too, what do you think the odds are that this is, and I think it's very likely, this is incredibly politically motivated. I think that if we get any new names, it's likely going to be people that they are, uh, you know, that it's going to make some kind of, there's going to be some sort of uh, political advantageous uh, agenda uh, to some of it. I mean, because as you said, and this is what frustrates me about the whole Epstein case is that we have names, we have evidence, we have stuff to go after these people who are horrendous cretins of human beings. I mean, these are people who are abusing children. This is a child sex trafficking ring uh, and nobody's been held accountable. But I think it's very likely that uh, this is it's nothing is done by mistake, especially stuff like this. And so I think there's obviously an agenda here. Well, again, Misty, we have names in the public arena and we know that the FBI has all of the evidence I just talked about. (laughs) Plus, we know that the FBI was let on to Epstein along with the NYPD all the way back in 1996. Absolutely yep. nothing was done. And then in the case of Palm Beach, that was unrelated to the allegations of over a decade plus before that. We know they gave him the quote unquote sweetheart deal uh, in which they downplayed all this into a single charge of child prostitution. There's no such thing as child prostitution. Then when he was actually convicted and put behind bars, what we know, there was an additional uh, deal signed with the FBI and Mueller himself. And when he was supposed to be in prison, he was leaving on almost a daily basis. So like what kind of Johnny nonsense world are we living in? And I would also remind people that even prior to his arrest and uh, two suicide attempts, um, he was out there, uh, in my opinion, probably still wheeling and dealing to try to revamp his persona. We know that Steve Bannon is literally sitting on uh, what is said to be 18 hours of interviews with Jeffrey Epstein before that arrest. And he actually put out a trailer where you can see a couple clips of these interviews uh, called The Monsters. So this story is far from over, but we can't fool ourselves into believing that the FBI the CIA, the NSA, and a bunch of other upper echelon agencies and entities don't already know what Epstein did, who his accomplices are, and what their crimes are. Clearly, we have a system that what loves blackmailed and compromised individuals in positions of power. So it does those in power no benefit to release that information unless like you say it is politically motivated and they're about to move on someone yeah and i think that that's the only way that we'll ever get and that's it, it, even then i don't know that there will ever be any significant accountability i think that the uh, you know this stuff it, it all grosses me out so much and i knew that our country was i mean listen our country's been screwed for a very long time but when we have an abundance of evidence for a child sex trafficking ring that implicates people in uh, incredible positions of power and nobody cares and nobody seems to want to do anything about it. I knew we were really screwed because I feel like if there's anything we should all be able to agree on, it's that people who have sex with kids should should probably be in prison. And there's, uh, I mean, who knows how many of them who we have a significant amount of evidence for uh, and nothing's ever going to get done. So, all right, let's take a quick break and get headlines. We're going to be back here on TNT radio. Today's News Talk Radio. I like hearing the news. News. A lot of news. TNT Radio News. Top of the hour, every hour. TNT. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. The Colorado Supreme Court, with a majority of Democratic-appointed justices, ruled 4-3 the former President Donald Trump is disqualified from running for public office. 
due to his involvement in the events of January 6, 2021. WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange's possible final appeal against extradition in the United States will be held at the UK High Court of Justice in London on February 20th and 21st. On air and on the app. I listen on the app. Stay up to date around the clock. I listen, therefore I know. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right. And once again, if you are in London, anywhere near London, and you can get to the court uh, for the Assange uh, hearings on February 20th and 21st, please do. We need a whole bunch of people to show up. Um, and also uh, the other news segment uh, or news story that they mentioned there in that segment, uh, the Trump thing. I also wanted to talk to you about that. Crazy Jason Burmes. This is insane. 2024 is already insane. It has been. We're not even there yet. And it's already uh, been a circus sideshow. And this is only getting worse. We have Colorado that has now uh, decided that Donald Trump's not allowed to appear on the ballot, despite the fact that he has been convicted of no crime. Uh, and now I'm. we're hearing that California is also going to follow suit. What do you make of this? I think it's absolutely terrible. Uh, and yes. that's not me saying I love Donald Trump or no. let's make America great again. That's not what this is. Look, I knew we were in trouble a while ago. I really want to give people just an absurdity timeline on, on the end of the Trump presidency. See, when he didn't move to stop the censorship of Alex Jones and then everybody else, he was bound to get censored. When he yeah. didn't stop the Department of Injustice for going after Assange unjustly via the Espionage Act, now he's being gone on on the Espionage Act. And look, let's not pretend he's the most popular president of my generation. That includes Reagan. It's outward. Uh, I think it's clear and obvious that they stole the election and installed a poopy pants puppet. Again, that's not me saying that as a Republican or a conservative or a Democrat. That's somebody with eyes. That's somebody yeah. that actually traveled the country, talked to people, understands the cult of personality. And this guy came from a long line of celebritard hyped culture. I mean, he was celebrated in the hip hop uh, community, for instance, as a beacon of what? Success. He was a reality uh, star show um, before that really even existed. He was on the WWF. He was on every talk show. Come on, let's stop playing around. So now I, I said it in the very beginning, Misty, um, when they first got rid of him. First of all, he was at the biggest position of power you could be to challenge an election. He was the president of the United States and couldn't do so. He didn't have standing. And then, like I said, he got censored. So I think they would have probably left him alone. They would have only tried to assassinate his character in the history books and put it out there if he didn't run again. If he ran again, it's full bore. So I, I do believe they're going to put him in prison. That That's the next step, folks. Uh, whether or not the Supreme Court upholds this decision remains to be seen. But, Misty, again, I called it that they would in some states, what, take him off the ballot in the primaries. And that has now come to fruition. So a lot yeah. of people think that this can't happen on a federal level. Well, I'll assure you, if it does, this will not be the first state. So then the question oh. is, if that does happen in four, five, six states, can he even be put on the ballot? The establishment is clearly trying to push a Nikki Haley after the fa uh, failed DeSantis oh. spot, right? And yes. at the same time, the left would be in total and utter denial if they're not seeing that they don't want debates, they don't want a real primary, they don't want another candidate for and by the people. They want to be able to install somebody at some point, whether that's Gavin Newsom, who's going to be put in the forefront, 
or the rumblings of Michelle Obama. It almost doesn't matter at this point because we've had the most outward puppet of our lifetime in office. So, you know, I, I think that the Supreme Court decision is key. And I also think if they rule against Trump and say this is okay and it starts to happen, that actually might stop us from some kind of a, and, and a lot of people won't like to hear this because it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation, false flag event in this country that could bring about a world war because I don't think they want a fair election. If they can get somebody established something like Haley in there, they won't care. You know, maybe yeah. they'll put off total global warfare. Uh, but I, I totally think they're going to put this guy in prison. And if they don't put him on the ballot, how far can they push the people? I mean, how outwardly and overtly fascistic and authoritarian can they actually be while saying they're saving democracy? It's, it's an inversion <laughs> of wild truths. Isn't that amazing? It's so like I'm laughing, but it's also horrendous that this is playing out. And again, not a Donald Trump supporter. This is not me defending Donald Trump in any way. I despise the guy. He's the guy who under uh, under his presidency, Julian Assange was arrested, spied on and plots were developed to murder him. I'm no fan of Donald Trump. However, I think it's so funny to me that all of the pearl clutching that the Democrats have been doing uh, since 2016, 2015 or whatever about how Donald Trump is a fascist and Donald Trump wants to be a dick and Donald Trump is going to go after his political opponents. They're doing those things, Jason. They're doing them. <laughs> it's crazy. Outward, not only not only doing them, <laughs> outwardly doing them. Yes. After the guy had every opportunity to do it to them, and yes. on day one, after he beat the cackle monster, he said <laughs> he wasn't going to do anything to her. And that didn't stop them from the Russia hoax, the second impeachment. I, I mean, that's the thing. He was a fool for thinking he could step into Washington and take out the deep state by allowing himself to be what entrenched by establishment figures. A, a lot of people forget this because it happened really early on in his presidency, but love Steve Bannon, hate Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon somewhat of an abs outsider, an actual nationalist. He had to go. Again, love Michael Flynn, hate Michael Flynn. He was on the peacenik you know, edge during the Obama administration, one of the reasons he was put out, and they had to get rid of him as well. They brought in people like what? Mattis, Bolton. Yeah. Uh, they had Mike Pompeo, Pompeo. and Bill yeah. Barr, not your friend. These guys, I mean, literally come from that deep down neocon birth establishment of the first Bush administration and late in the Reagan administration. I mean, that's what they grew up with. Uh, you know, I'm not saying, you know, like a, a Flynn and a Bannon didn't parade around with those people and, and do horrific policy back in the day, but they did see an opportunity to change things. They were America first and they were immediately gone after in this weird Russia narrative that continues to this day. So I, I would say, look, if Trump somehow, some way is able to get back in there and, and I'm not sure how that road, uh, how we get there, right? It needs to be a Rand Paul at, at the top. And, and you need to find other people that aren't going to bend the knee. Uh, you know, Vivek Ramaswamy, he's been he's been playing a really good game. I'm actually got press passes to an event in Iowa with him tomorrow. But then Jimmy Dore took him to the, the watershed on the Palestinian yes. and Israeli issue the other Beautiful. day. Yeah. And, and so all these people have faults. You know, I just spoke at the Reawaken America tour this past weekend in Tulare, California. 
And I was having a, you know, a private conversation with somebody who's been, you know, around the uh, Republican Party for a long time. This is the first time I'd ever been approached by somebody who did work with the Council on National Policy, et cetera, like that. And, you know, we were talking about the Giuliani case again. I, I pro- as far as Trump is like uh, uh, the, my best buddy compared to Rudy Giuliani. I am no <laughs> fan of Rudy Giuliani. Yeah. So Rudy Giuliani recently had that what $148 million ruling against him. Obviously, I think that is terrible as well. I don't think Rudy Giuliani is a good person. And mm-hmm. I noted, I said, hey, you know, the real story to me was in that lawsuit with the woman that he was sleeping with. Uh, who was in her late 30s, she also mentioned selling pardons for $2 million and a million going to Rudy and a million going to Trump. Well, that was kind of an old story. And that would be, you know, backed up by the fact that John Kariaku says he had that experience with Rudy Giuliani, where he was Mm -hmm. asking for a pardon. Giuliani got up to go to the bathroom. His assistant said it would be $2 million. And you wonder why, again, Julian Assange didn't need a pardon because he's never actually been convicted of anything. But you wonder yeah. why nothing's done with Assange and somebody like Kodak Black gets a pardon. Sorry, maybe I'm a kooky conspiracy theorist, but Jason Burmis is betting dollars to donuts. Kodak had the two mil. Yeah, for sure. Yes. And that's what it's so frustrating to me when Trump supporters uh, uh, get, they bristle when you bring up the Assange situation. They don't want to talk about the fact that he's the it was under him that he was arrested, spied on, plots were developed to murder him, and then he failed to pardon him. They they act as if that's a revision of history. That's reality. I mean, that's that's just the truth. And uh, there's so much there's so much uh, going on here uh, with the, all of this stuff. I think that the way that lawfare is now being used, not just and people need to recognize that this is not just against big name political opponents, the Trumps and the Giuliani's. This stuff's coming for you too. I mean, they're doing this uh, to regular citizens on a regular basis, and we're seeing that uh, play out in various different ways. So this is a huge issue. So we have to take another quick break, but hang tight. We're going to be back here on TNT Radio. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. Remember that song years ago, Lunatic Fringe? I know you're out there. Believe me, I know they're out there. I simply watched these people in the climate change cabal and listened to what they say. John Kerry is out there, and I will give him credit. At least he did not say a half billion people like Hillary Clinton. But the latest is that climate change is causing respiratory problems and has killed a half million people. Now, where do these statistics come from? Are there death certificates now that say you died because of climate change? But we've got this guy from France, I guess, Francois Jimin a professor at the University of Liège, and a specialist in environmental geopolitics. What the heck is that? He spoke on French TV about the threats of cats and dogs. Listen to this one. Cats and dogs are a disaster for the climate. A cat is a disaster for biodiversity. Do you hear that, Maisie and Shooter? And a dog is a disaster for the climate. Positive proof, folks. The lunatic fringe except they may not be fringe anymore, is indeed out there. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog. Oh my goodness, a dog. That's a disaster for a climate. Asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. When a crisis hits, close to home and across the globe, nonprofits are on the front lines, ready to serve. Healing. Nurturing. Rescuing. 
protecting, inspiring. The work of philanthropic organizations has never been more important, and it's donors and volunteers like you who make all this possible. Thank you, the Nonprofit Alliance. Misty Winston on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, we're here with Jason Burmis, and we were just talking about the whole Trump stuff. I don't even know. It's all insanity. 2024 is uh, going to be an absolute disaster, <laughs> which is, I mean, whatever, grab some popcorn. But uh, so you uh, you think that, he, that he's actually going to go to prison. I'm not sure if he is. If they don't want him to win, which I mean, I'm not convinced that they don't want him to win. Maybe they do. Um, but if they don't want him to win, they better put him in prison because all they're doing, Jason, is helping him. His base has dug in their heels even further. They're now even more devoted and dedicated to him. I'm sure that they have been donating like crazy. Uh, they are helping him. Would you agree with that? I'll say this. You know, uh, I don't know if you caught the headline, but the new terror watch list has two million people on it. Okay, yeah. let, me, let me put that in perspective. Two million people, folks. So say there's 400 million people in the country right now with legals, everything else. That's one in 200. A lot of people's graduating class is more than 200 people. How many terrorists do you think were in that graduating class? Now, they've already announced MAGA, Super Patriots. Really, it's anybody that doesn't go around with the great narrative. Uh, believe me, they've got, just like white nationalists, black nationalists, just like using Trump as a figure, they'll use somebody like a Farrakhan as a figure on the other end of the spectrum. Believe me, when the time is right, it's anybody that challenges the system. I also think they'd like to set this precedent for anybody else who would like to step up the plate and say, I want to be president. Um, you know, if they're able to, again, put a guy that was so culturally significant and cherished for such a long time in prison on behalf of democracy, it changes the game like they've never been able to do before. Really, we're in so much uncharted territory. I don't put anything past them. And, and, and quite frankly, especially with the RICO case, okay? And yeah, then the espionage yes. case in Florida. I think those are two key, key cases. Number one, the Georgia case I thought was going to be the flimsiest of the cases because obviously questioning election, having your aides and lawyers see how you could get what? An audit of that election has never been a problem before, but we're in the upside down. When they made it a RICO case, and then they started going after the Sidney Powells, et cetera, with lawfare like you've never seen, ensuring that what? They would have to plead guilty to something and what? Then uh, have the headlines and basically said, I'm guilty. They had unlimited lawfare against those people. You know, Jones just got subpoenaed in that case. Somehow, some way, I believe they're going to try to find Trump guilty in that case. And then the Florida case as well, because it sets new boundaries about documentation that the president is able to have after the fact. And it's also, if they convict him of that, a convenient way of getting rid of Joe Biden without anybody having to acknowledge what, that he's senile. Okay. Yeah. They can say, look, we've already drugged the country through this. We've got one president sitting up behind bars via the Espionage Act. We don't want to do two, Joe. You know, you took those documents when you were a senator. Listen, ride it out jimmy carter style without the christianity and without the sanity and we'll just let you just do your thing so uh, you know and you can step down nixon style we'll make nice statues for you joe we'll stop talking about when you pooped yourself on the pope it, it's going to be okay I, I really think 
I know there's some dark humor in there. Uh, and look, I actually want to get some of that wrong. Uh, but right? unfortunately, I think that I'm going to get a lot of it right. Yeah. And the Rico thing, I think, is a huge deal, because as I mentioned before the break, this is not just something that they're using against Trump. We're seeing them, them using Rico charges against activists. We're seeing that with Cop City. We saw it with uh, uh, the African Socialist Party um, uh, where they're using. And as you mentioned, they're the insanity of people that are now being labeled as terrorists. And we saw that, um, I think it was a couple years ago with the DHS, the little memo that came out with the domestic violent extremists. Literally everybody qualifies for one of those groups. I mean, if you care a little bit too much about any one given issue, you are a domestic violent extremist. And they are. Um, and that's what I think is so interesting about this, because regardless of what you think of Trump, I think that what they have been able to do effectively with him and with the various different um, uh, situations that have uh, cropped up, whether it be um, the very, as you mentioned, the very obvious stealing of the election. Now, because it was a Trump thing, if you it, you can't question an election now. I saw people who prior to 2020 would regularly speak about the fact that our elections are garbage. That's just a fact. Our elections are garbage. You can't even audit our voting machines. You can't even get a legitimate count on any of our elections. They're garbage. But now if you say that you're a crazy tinfoil hat wearing conspiracy theorist, cuckoo brain MAGA supporting Trump lover. And that's just insane. That's insane. But that's, I mean, they've managed to do that uh, with January 6th. Now, if you protest, you are suddenly a terrorist. You're a domestic, you're a crazy conspiracy theorist who wants to overthrow the government. It's insane. And I think that there's been various different situations and circumstances um, that have come from Trump where they have used uh, the their amazing ability to paint him as this crazy um, kind of um, unforeseen evil, like he's somehow special. He's not special. I mean, there's nothing especially evil about Donald J. Trump. I mean, he's no worse or better than Barack Obama or Joe Biden. I mean, they're all terrible people uh, who do terrible things, but they were able to paint him as this unprecedented level of evil. And I think that by doing that, um, they've managed to, uh, I mean, create this narrative where so many things are just, it's, it, none of it makes sense. None of it makes sense, Jason. And it's just going it, to, all of this stuff is going to keep getting worse. It's crazy. Well, I always say that, you know, Trump's biggest crime was that he didn't commit enough war crimes, right? Like, <laughs> I, I feel like that's it. Like, and he, and he spoke out against certain things. I, I okay. think the guy really did think he was coming in there. Uh, he was going to be Superman and that, you know, they're going to make statues. He was really going to make America great again. Uh, I think he's misguided on a lot of foreign policy. You know, you mentioned all the Assange stuff. I often criticize him running up and saying, hey, Love the WikiLeaks. Can't get enough of the WikiLeaks. Yes. Have you seen the WikiLeaks? But then when push comes to shove, can't do anything about it. Tells me I'm going to get the JFK documents. Guess what? Never got them. Tells me we're going to get out of Syria. Duma happens or doesn't happen. That's right. Doesn't happen. And as that comes out, by the way, when the OPCW was talking about it, what did they go to? They went to Russian disinformation as yep. well under the Trump administration. So these people have their blind spots. You know, in the Assange case, we have to remember UC Global was who they yes. commissioned to go spy on him. Well, that's a Sheldon Adelson company in relationship to Israel. Sheldon Adelson was the biggest contributor to the Trump campaign. And let's be honest, uh, again, you can be on the pro-Israeli side, pro-Palestinian side. 
him coming in there and making Jerusalem the capital was only going to stir things up further. Yeah. You know, I, I'm glad that we didn't have any October 7th, et cetera, but I'm no fan of Netanyahu. Pompeo and Netanyahu couldn't have been closer. And if you don't think some of the policies that took place during the Trump administration eventually led up to what you're seeing right now, you're also being naive. So yeah. there's a lot in that spectrum. Uh, at the same time, you know, I don't think they want that guy in there. They want a Nikki Haley who's going to be, you know, the identity politics warmonger, the first woman president to bomb 36 oh. countries, maybe 40. Oh, God. The idea that Nikki Haley could potentially be the first woman president just sent a shiver up and down my spine. She is, I mean, terrifying. She, she's got the crazy eyes going on, the whole shebang. And she is, you're right, she could be somebody who bombs 30, 40, 50 countries. I mean, I think that that is um, uh, right up her alley. I think that's certainly what she, she's like McCain on steroids. It is terrifying. That woman is terrifying. Uh, but yeah, the DeSantis campaign totally fell apart. I don't know what he was thinking. He, he needs to fire everybody who was involved in uh, uh, advising him because he did a terrible job. Um, okay, I want to talk to you a little bit about COVID before uh, we run out of time because um, I think that, Jason, people aren't talking about this enough. I feel like, and listen, I understand there's a lot going on and COVID is kind of uh, dissipated mostly. I think that there's still some rumblings here and there. We had some conversation, I think, over the summer uh, that oh, in the fall, they were going to potentially bring back things like mask mandates and airports and stuff like that. Uh, we didn't see that happen, but I think that there's been just these little bits and pieces of information. But COVID's not over, y'all. And by COVID not being over, I mean the agenda is certainly not over. And we've had James Roguski on the show to talk about things like the international health regulations and the so-called WHO treaty, which isn't a treaty, um, and all of that stuff. But uh, Joe Biden, I think it was last week, maybe the week before, uh, came out and talked about that they have uh, they're they're trying to sign these three new uh, or they have signed three new con or contracts for three new COVID vaccines, um, and I just don't think people are paying enough attention to COVID, to that agenda. I think people are very distracted. What do you think about that? I mean, obviously uh, it's continuing, but where do you think we're going with that with the whole pandemic, scandemic stuff? Yeah, well, I'll say this, you know, travel around and you'll still see people scared, maybe not in every yes. small community, uh, but I was just in an airport, way too many people wearing masks. I literally got um, Panda Express an hour or two ago on the Illinois side of things. Half the staff are wearing masks. Okay, this is far, far, far from over. You know, again, on the road, I catch more TV and try to keep in touch with what's going on. I, I throw on a channel. Oh, there's Albert Borla of Pfizer, you know, wishing me a Merry Christmas. <laughs> We've never been so indoctrinated with yeah. this new culture of biofascism. I don't know what else to say. Uh, the mask wearing, uh, the uneasiness, the big pharma in your face everywhere, painted up with benevolency as if they're here to help you. When if you've been paying attention, they did nothing but hurt you. Has that had any accountability anywhere? Absolutely not. You mentioned the WHO treaty. You know, this is another reason I, I like Vivek Ramaswamy. He's talking about getting us out of the United Nations. That needs to be done immediately. We need to get out of the UN, get the UN out of the US, and make that building into a museum of history. I mean, that should be the real Nazi museum. That should yeah. be it right there. Like, that should be an ode to everybody that tried to use the vehicle of 
globalism and philanthropy for their own tyrannical ends, their own consolidation of power, their own vision of a future with a predatory class on top and the rest of them subservient and beneath them. Yeah, hundred percent, and it terrifies me because I feel like um, they were so successful. I'm it, okay. I guess I should say I'm equal parts terrified, and s maybe not equal parts, but I'm slightly hopeful because I do feel like um, I, I think we've talked about this before, you and I. That there a lot of people. I think COVID was a giant slap in the face for them. I think that there were a lot of people who. Um, maybe we're kind of skeptical about governmental institutions in particular, you know, like the CDC, things like that, but they weren't, they weren't really sure what was going on. And I think COVID was like a giant wake up call for a, a large number of people. I think probably the silent majority, I think, or at least at the, at the very least, they're at least skeptical now. Um, so I have hope that when, cause they're going to try that stuff again, there's no question about it. So I have hope that there's going to be bigger pushback next time. Um, I, I hope that there is, but I also they were so unbelievably effective. And they, as you said, there's still people wearing masks like alone in their car. I see it all the time, not all the time, but I see it on a fairly regular basis. Um, and so the idea that they were so successful that time, and not only were they successful, but they've learned so much from that. You know what I mean? And I think that uh, the, and they're putting into place a lot of legislation um, uh, that people are not paying attention to. The international health regulations is a big thing. They've got all these amendments that people aren't even nobody's and that we're just handing over this unaccountable power to uh the un and uh, to the who where they just get to decide hey there's a pandemic and this is what you have to do now and i think that that's unbelievably terrifying so um i mean what do you think how do we get people to be more concerned with this to be to pay more attention to it i feel like people are overwhelmed because there's just so much going on I think you're right. They are overwhelmed. At the same time, I do think it was a big slap in the face for a lot of people. But let, let's break that down for a second, right? You eviscerated all these small businesses. And in large part, a lot of these people that were generational mom and pop shops, et cetera, that did get shut down, you know, that was a lot for them. And they did start standing up, whereas they might have not questioned the war on terror, said, you know, I don't really care about this. This directly affected them. But then push comes to shove. They signed up for the money. They made their employees mask. They bent the knee to the health department. So, you know, it's up for grabs, right? Like, how heavy is the fear? Um, what are we going to see? What will the effect be? Uh, I, I don't know. If just another a virus that they say is zoonotic will be the thing, uh, bioterrorism has been talked about a lot more. Obviously, cyber terrorism and now yeah. the shutdown of society is all the rage with this new Netflix uh, Obama produced. Uh, what is it? Leave the world behind video. You can't count yeah. small pockets of that as well. So look, I, I think honestly, first of all, this is the craziest election cycle that we've ever seen because the last <laughs> election cycle was marred in the COVID-1984 nightmare, and it is still progressing. That agenda has been very, very real for a very, very long time. And, you know, I, I say this is the most important 10 months maybe in human history. I don't know yeah. what happens. I don't know. Like I said, just like I don't know whether Trump is going to be the nominee or even able to run. I, you know, I don't know whether or not. The country can withstand putting him in prison. Prison. I don't know what it would look like with a major false flag attack, not just in this country, but anywhere in Europe. You know, there's a lot on the table, and uh, we all act 
Like, you know, these big events don't change things. Well, I would say that the big events, especially the global ones, uh, have this acceleration like we've never seen throughout history uh, where you have these large swaths of changes in a very short period of time. And, and I don't know if humanity can really survive, let alone this country, survive another disaster like the one we just occurred. Yes. And that's, um, yeah, people need to just be ready. I mean, I know that that sounds very kind of cliche and trite, but be ready as be prepared as prepared as you can be in whatever way that you can be. Most importantly, get to know your neighbors. You're going to need each other. We're going to need each other, y'all. It's good. It's about to get real rough. I think, I think Jason's right. This is going to be a really shaky 10 months and who knows anything could happen literally. Okay. Jason, unfortunately we're out of time. Thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate you as always. Uh, you can find Jason, all the links to Jason stuff over on my Substack. You can also, so check him out on Twitter at Jason Burmis, where he's got links to his show and all of that as well. Um, uh, and you're welcome back anytime, of course. And I will be back tomorrow with the great Scott Horton. As Julian Assange says, learn, challenge, act now, and don't go anywhere. Timothy Shea is right after this, right here on TNT Radio.